It's Tuesday, October 4th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast. Welcome. It's the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's episode 271. Just me and Russ today. How's it going, sir? It's going good, man. I, uh, as you know, went to the doctor, got him to look at my foot that's been broken for a year, and they were like, hey, so what do you, uh, what do you think is going on with your foot? And I was like, I think it's broke. And I didn't come here for you to ask me what's wrong with me. I came here so I could ask you what's wrong with me. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, so, it's so funny, man. I, I don't know how you feel about this, but you know, you and I have obviously worked kind of on the consulting and sales side of technology for a hot minute. And, and every now and then it just rubs me really wrong whenever I'm in the room to tell people, what I would do if I were them. And then I tell them and they're like, eh, you know, I'm not, I'm not going that route. Or they just, they just really kind of push back a lot, like a whole lot on like the entire purpose of why we're there. And so when I go to doctors and they'll ask me, you know, certain questions like that, I'll be like, Hey, look, I'm not here to tell you how to do your job. You know, like you're going to tell me what I should do and I'm going to listen to it. Because you are the medical professional, and this is what I came here for. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just imagining I'm super like, sensitive to that. The Big Lebowski sitting there listening to your pitch and be like, "Well, that's just like your opinion, man." It's like, yes, <laughs> but it's an educated, informed opinion after watching this happen five million times. Well, and so let let's actually dive deeper into it because so I have had <laughs> surgery on my right foot before. Um, 2008, I got what's called a Jones fracture. Very, mm. very common injury for <clears throat> athletes, especially basketball players who've rolled their ankles a lot like I have. Uh, other people who've had it, like Des Bryant had it um, when he played for the Cowboys. You get a screw inserted in your foot and then you kind of go on about your day. Uh, so I had this injury before and it was incredibly similar to the one I'm dealing with in my left mm. foot right now. And so I went in there and I said, hey, you know, I think it's possibly a Jones fracture, which is a fracture of the end of the fifth, fifth metatarsal. Yeah, and, I was just looking you know, that we, up. We, yeah, is so it from cutting so hard? Like you plant and push? And so it breaks uh, that, that pinky I, toe? I do think, so there's a tendon um, that, that connects in that general area that goes across the top of your foot and connects onto that, that outside bone. And sometimes, yeah, whenever you're cutting laterally side to side, it basically puts pressure on it. You can develop a stress fracture and it will break. In my case, there's, it was possible the shoes were the culprit in, in really both situations. And so, you know, I go in fairly well educated, right? Um, just to give an example, I, I have had a similar injury that felt identical, is just as limiting in the same ways as the prior injury. Mm-hmm. I've even seen an x-ray of this already when I went to my primary care physician before I went to the specialist. So I went in there with this 99.999% confidence interval that I had a Jones fracture and I don't. Mm. And well, there you go. What, what, what's fascinating is, is the, the expert in the room who was not me, just so we're clear, once again, why I was there. He said, you are close to right. The Jones fracture happens a little bit further up the bone, and it causes an issue with the connection of that tendon. Where your fracture is, is much more minute and doesn't necessarily cause an issue. And if it does, we can kind of bolster that connection around the top of it. So basically, instead of getting a screw in my left foot, and being out for you know eight to, to twelve weeks, whatever it is, like I, I like had how you say that being out, <laughs> like you're on the <laughs> IR. I, dude, I'm always I'm always being pulled out if I'm not able to go. All right, always got to right, be yeah. ready to go. And he said, he said, no, we just we just need to take that bone out of there. He's like, I mean, I could put a screw in there, but it, it would be unnecessary. It wouldn't help. And he's like, for a Jones fracture um, or someone in your previous you know, stint of your life as a, as a collegiate athlete, it's like, it probably makes some sense. But he, he told me to be completely honest, if, if you were, if this was 2008 and I were your doctor, I, I think I'd still be pulling that bone out of there. Um, and he would probably and I told be him worried my, about the stock market too. 
That's right. And you'd be worried about the stock market. And I told him, I was like, <laughs> my was goals are, well, maybe even now, my goals were to get back to being able to cross Bewley on the court again. And he was like, bro, I know Bewley. And <laughs> I think, I think this, that I can help you get here. Actually, he made a more funny comment. He goes, if I couldn't get a 35 year old male back to playing men's league basketball, I think my business would fail. <laughs> and so I thought that was, I thought that was pretty funny. Cause it, I mean, he looked at these injuries as pretty, um, sure. Pretty minute. He was almost he was almost insulted by them. Like this is boring. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna take that bone out. We're gonna scope your ankle that you had surgery on, and then you're just gonna get out of my life. I was like, okay, so sounds good, dude. Uh, I've got to reattach. We'll do that early next year, I think. You got to reattach my bicep. That's no fun. Uh, I don't think this guy okay. can do that. So yeah, I bet he could. I bet he could figure it out. Um, okay. I mean, but, I'd but trust I will. him. I Go guess more so than me. All right, so we're a tech news podcast. So we're going to we? shift gears. I think so. Maybe we've drifted. Well, then we've stop drifted. asking me how I am at the beginning of these things, you know? <laughs> okay, uh, October 4th, Today in Tech History. Mm-hmm. We talked about this one before, so this will be uh, a little bit, can you remember? Sputnik mm-hmm. launches the Space Age, the very first man-made satellite to orbit the Earth. Sputnik 1 is launched from Kazakhstan, there is, so you may be wondering why Kazakhstan, if you would like to go down an amazing research, like vector, rabbit trail, whatever, go research why. Uh, and it's because of the, the spin of the earth. I'll just tease you with that. It's incredible. Uh, okay. Because why would Russia launch in Kazakhstan? That's why. But go research. It's incredible. Marking what is now considered the beginning of the space age. Surprising the world with its successful launch. Everyone's like, oh, okay. Uh, I see you. Sputnik triggered the space race between the Soviet Union, excuse me, yeah, it was the Soviet Union at the time, and the US, ushering in an era of rapid advancement in the field of space exploration, to which once we hit the 70s, we basically just said, eh, forget that, until uh, more recently, like 50 years later, we said, let's pick this back up again. After three months in orbit, Sputnik re-entered the Earth's atmosphere and burned up due to friction on january 4th what year was it man it's fascinating because i have recently and when i say recently i'm talking (laughs) four days ago maybe possibly Mm -hmm. three um spent some time looking into like reviewing events of the cold war like beginning to end i i don't know if people know this i've probably said it before one one of my minors is in military history and so i'm always fascinated by some of these things yeah yeah that's that's where one of my you know educational bits and pieces of background are from Um, like i said it's a minor my focus was actually in vietnam um at the time and uh, which ironically also deals with part of this era. Um, but I was looking into the Cold War side of things, curious beginning the end. Well, Sputnik actually came up on that. And so I know I know the year is is pre-1960 because we kind of 60-61, we started to say that we were going to, you know, put a man on the moon by the end of the decade, largely as a response to to, to Sputnik, right? And, and part mm-hmm. of what we were doing against the Soviet Union at the time. So I I can't remember the exact year, but I'm going to go with 58. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was close to that yes. that year. Wow. Yes. So 50. it was October of 57. And then oh. it re-entered in January of 58. So yeah, yeah you so, were right there. It, well, That's awesome. So fun fact, while we're on it, Sputnik 2, um, and for those of you who are like me, are... I guess softies close your ears. Um, but Sputnik two what? was what are you about to say <laughs> with a with a dog inside of it. Oh yeah, Leica. Yeah, the first mammal, did, a dog named Leica. That's right. I did not know that, and so I I saw this, and it, was this was like a couple a month months later. later, maybe a year. Yeah, so yeah. There you no, go. No, no, no. Um, it was a month later. So Sputnik yeah. one was still up there. Sputnik two oh. was sent. A month later, like almost to the day. So October 4th was Sputnik 1 of 57. November 3rd of 57 was Sputnik 2. And that's the, the dog Leica that was sent. Well, I went and looked Soviet this up and I was like, dog. okay, did Leica 
survive? And the answer is absolutely not. Um, and they knew that sending yeah. Leica up that basically this dog was going to burn to death in this capsule, which was just, it made Terrible. me really angry. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was really frustrated with, you know, with just this, you know, cruel and unusual, unusual punishment. It seemed like for this stray dog that they had found. And they said they monitored the dog's heart rate and it was running at like three X its normal rate when they I put bet. the dog into the capsule. So it's just, I don't know. It's just wild. But anyways, what a, what an interesting correlation that we just ran into with this uh, Sputnik being the one today and one I was going over this a couple days ago earlier. And I'm still working uh, through, by the way. A lot of content out there on the Cold War. So Leica was found as a stray wandering the streets of Moscow. Soviet scientists chose to use Moscow strays since they assumed that such animals had already learned to endure conditions of extreme cold and hunger. She was about three yeah. years old. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Not cool. Not buying it. Think that they're just mean. Yeah. Think they're just mean. Like, what was the scientific data we got from this? Like, oh, I wonder if the dog will die. Like, I mean, yeah, I think they were maybe not expecting them to burn up. I don't know. Maybe they just didn't know what would happen when the satellites so, some of back in. Some of the details that I that I gathered were that they actually did expect that to happen. Now, maybe they didn't know for sure it was going to happen, right? It was, yeah. a, it was their thesis, but uh, it did like that is, that is ultimately what happened. And it happened over oh, she didn't the even, course of a few hours. Yeah. She didn't even die on reentry. She died. No. On the fourth orbit of earth due to overheating caused by an air conditioning malfunction. Yep. That's terrible. Yep. Okay. Poor, poor puppy. Um, so, anyway, Sputnik. Uh, although, you know, sad thing aside, still pretty cool that it got launched. It's funny. Another reason things that come up, I was listening to another podcast. Um, there, there aren't any others that exist, by the way. So, just ignore that statement. Just us um, and all in just, and virtually speaking? It's, just, or? That's, it's actually so it was all in that I was listening to. And they okay. they were talking <laughs> about... I'm 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 catching up on episodes for them, and what was interesting yeah. was they were bringing up how everyone was mad at you know Bezos and uh, who's the galactic the Virgin guy who like the they went to space. Yeah, um, um, what's his name? Oh my what goodness, what is his name? Uh, I can't. I don't know. Uh, Richard British Branson, guy, right? There we go. Richard, Richard Branson. Branson. Yes. Yeah. So how they went to space and just how people were outraged at this, um, at the whole Sir, idea of these billionaires. Me, Sir Richard Branson. Sir Richard Branson. Sorry. Our yes. bad, sir. Excuse if you me. want to come on the podcast and you know set us straight, by all means, please do. Yep. Sorry, I didn't mean to. It was interesting. Interesting perspective that they had of just like all of these negative Nancys out there in the world who. You know, are complaining about the the way that these billionaires use money and like what technology, like the the, the efforts of technology they're using aren't for here on Earth, they're for space, and forgetting all of the nuance of that conversation that they just don't understand. I just thought it was really funny um, listening to these guys' perspectives that I just thought I'd share because I think it's probably true. And now, granted, you have to understand that the perspective of these all in, you know podcasters it's like three of them are billionaires so yeah you know early at least Is that why they get more are. plays than us Do we um, have, to have money for people to listen to us i mean i have like 15 bucks what do you got you want to pull it um, and then see if we i can... actually can't see any money from where i'm sitting <laughs> you're like I, I think we're sitting on 15 um <laughs> so the the thing that they have so very successful people obviously and even the the poorest of the four of them you know i think is is multi-millionaire and so they have this interesting <laughs> perspective, but they're, they're also people who like their passion is for starting businesses, largely in the tech sector. Like they want to support the doers of the world. And so they, their perspective here is all these people complaining on Twitter who've literally never done bleep. Like I'm talking like, it's like they've just done <laughs> nothing <laughs> and all they do is sit here and complain on Twitter and they don't understand what they're complaining about. And they just think, they think that there's just that this money 
can just randomly fix these problems. They're like, we don't have a shortage of money in the world. We have a shortage of people who can actually do something effectively (laughs) with the money, like these complainers on Twitter. I just, I was, I was really enjoying that little episode they went on and it, it tied into space. So I thought, you know, I'll share that here and, but no, because I doubt we had as many complainers back then during the space race. I bet people thought it Listen, was cool back then. Social media was a mistake. Just shut it all down. It's I over. agree. Um, where's the plug? Um, do we just pull it? Um, what? Just, uh, just a disclaimer. One of these people made their like billions through Facebook stock. So <laughs> just yeah. in, you know, yeah, is what it is. So speaking of social media, apparently Elon just wrote a letter to Twitter. Proposing proceeding with the acquisition at the original fifty four twenty per share, and Twitter stock immediately jumped twelve percent. So <laughs> I can't even influence. follow the craziness here. But is there a why? Because I haven't seen this yet. Have you? No. Have you to... I I mean, my brain immediately went to. So this is this is <laughs> this is weeks before the upcoming trial. My brain immediately went like, "Oh, did he find out that there was going to be a decision made?" That he's going to have to. Um, so he's just going to say, okay, I'm going to do it. So it looks like it's on his terms. I don't know. But it's still weeks before the trial. Um, but apparently stock jumped and now Twitter trading has been suspended. Like this is just chaos. <laughs> <laughs> it's just chaos. Literally Twitter oh shares frozen on Musk buyout revival hu- rumor. I'm gonna sit here oh my her. gosh. That is, that's hilarious. My my favorite thing about that is is, look, I recognize Musk is a unique individual. I don't believe that he's going to cure all of the things in the world, um, but I do believe pretty, pretty well strongly at this point that he's playing chess more often than not, while the people around him are playing checkers, and so I do wonder if, at the moment, this is a chess move. You know, is there something sure. here? Because if they, you know, it, another thing, if they're, here's what I've struggled with, with their whole lawsuit, the whole time, they didn't want him to buy Twitter. So they took a poison pill. Then he said, okay, cool. I won't buy Twitter. And they're like, no, 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 you have to buy Twitter. And so he's going to come back and say, Hey, original deals on the table. Why don't you guys take it? I'll go ahead and buy it. And then they're going to come back and state some reason as to why they're not going to. And he's going to prove this entire time that they have no no interest in in actually protecting shareholder value or getting Twitter sold to Musk or any of this stuff. They're just trying to stick it to someone they don't like. And yeah. I think that that's probably the, the case he's going to try and make. I say this knowing literally nothing. I just think it's a possibility that that's what he's doing. I think it's a chess move. Uh, so, you know, just fascinating. But, man, think about that power. What is that influence to be able to just be like, hey, I think maybe I will buy it now. And everyone's like, ah! it, just, it, it just freezes the market. The only stock that went up in this entire market is Twitter because Musk said he might buy it again. That's just yeah. hilarious to me. I mean, bravo. Good for good for him. Such, but that's just such a wildly polarizing character. Did you see... <laughs> Did you see any of the texts between him and Jack Dorsey that came out? Uh, People were surprised that humans act like so. humans. I don't like they're going so. back and forth talking about like Elon basically me. saying, "Hey," um, or I guess Jack is is pitching the idea, um, basically saying a new platform is needed. Uh, it shouldn't be a company. Uh, you know, this this is this is why I left. And Elon's like, "Okay, what should it look like?" Right, talking about you know acquiring Twitter or whatever. Sure. Jack says, I believe it must be an open source protocol funded by a foundation of sorts that doesn't own the protocol, only advances it. A bit like what Signal has done, it can't have an advertising model. Otherwise, you have surface area that governments and advertisers will try to influence and control. If it has a centralized entity behind it, it will be attacked. This isn't complicated work. It just has to be done right so it's resilient to what has happened to Twitter. Elon responds with super interesting idea. And then it goes, like you can see the the business conversation then immediately elon's like hey by the way have you seen brian's hat and then they just like joke and make fun about you know this hat and it's a it's a i guess a reference to a a show from an episode or something and the internet lost their mind and they're just like i can't believe that you know like these billionaire quote geniuses 
um, are talking to each other like this? Like, how, what, what are you expecting from these people? Are you expecting them not to be people, first of all? And then they also are you mean, like, you mean clearly they're the not geniuses. Comment? Yes. Yeah. They're like, people are trying to argue that they're not, quote, geniuses. And I'm not sitting here trying to say that they are geniuses. I'm just saying they're, they're painting the picture like they're these, you know, uh, just low life idiots or something. Uh, because they joke back and forth on text. I'm like, what? What a crazy double standard! And and I think that's part of like the undercurrent of how and why Elon is such a polarizing character as well. But that's just fascinating to me because uh, yeah. I, you know, I've had this. I think I've even stated this on the pod before, but I was I was last week I was in Aspen for a, a customer session with a group of our customers. Yeah. And I was sitting next to one of the CIOs from, from a fairly large organization in the U.S. And we were just talking about how interesting it is that, that some people will just behave differently uh, around us. Or in particular, just use him as an example. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm still a person. Like, it's, um, you know, mm -hmm. it's not, you know, and I made this joke about how, you know, CEOs go home and they make funny faces at their kids and, put on right. masks and scare them and you know, but it's like, people just don't, yes. for some reason, they don't believe that for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know where this moniker of, of importance or, you know, differences come because someone has been, you know, anywhere from marginally to greatly successful in their life. Now I think Musk probably on a technical level probably is a genius. I don't know for sure. I haven't seen the measurement of his IQ. You can have those things verified, but I don't know about Jack. He's certainly in, uh, idealist. I think I'd, we'd put yeah. him there. Uh, he seems to at least have you know <clears throat> interesting statements and whatnot. I, I don't know. I just I cringe when people like way overreact whenever you get unguarded when you when you witness unguarded talk from people. Um, you know your heroes or famous people or whatever. Right? They're just people too. Yeah. Um, there was another one here, uh, Parag, right? CEO of Twitter. He said, and I don't know how the, I, I wish I could find out. Well, I could probably Google it, but I don't know how these texts all got released. Like why, why I mean, is maybe subpoenas, right? For the, I guess, but I don't know why that would be required, but yeah, that would make sense. Anyway, uh, Parag goes on to say, you are free to tweet quote. This is in April of this year. You're free to tweet, quote, is Twitter dying or anything else about Twitter, but it's my responsibility to tell you it's not helping me make Twitter better in the current context. Next time we speak, I'd like you to provide your perspective on the level of internal distraction right now and how it's hurting our ability to do work. I hope the AMA will help people to get to know you, to understand why you believe in Twitter and to trust you. I'd like the company to get, a pla get to a place where we are more resilient and don't get distracted, but we aren't there right now. Uh, Elon responds with, what did you get done this week? <laughs> <laughs> and then he says, I'm not joining the board. That's a waste of time. I'm going to take, I'm going to make an offer to take Twitter, <laughs> Twitter private. Sorry. I'm like laughing through it. That's um, just fascinating to me. You know, what's yes. interesting is, uh, we talk about the influence of these companies and kind of what the effect has on how speech or opinions are policed on them you know who has the right to do what what's influenced by what i will tell you i also on the all-in pod they mentioned uh i guess there was a someone from some government official and this was this was months ago this is this is probably this has to be february march time frame it's, it's a guess but somewhere so it's, it's at least six months ago uh that some government official was like making recommendations or suggestions to people like Twitter of like post people or whoever that they should pull down or block or whatever, which by the way is, is not okay. Um, the government cannot be, you know, causing this type of, you know, censoring that that is a first amendment violation while, you know, Twitter itself blocking someone yeah. is, is not, uh, but nonetheless, it's an interesting piece because so much of this comes back to this idea of when a platform gets so big, the decisions they make are are a little bit bigger than themselves. And there's a lot of people, and I think Twitter themselves would argue it isn't true. And yet they have a user who's so big on their platform that they're complaining to him 
about the things he's saying, preventing them from being able to work. So mm. it's pretty clear that even a platform that, you know, says that it wouldn't have XYZ influence and it's just policing its own platform and it's not that big of a deal would then go to a singular individual and make a similar claim about them being able to do their own job. So I just think that's that's kind of funny um, on the spheres of or reach of influence that a platform or a person can have and how tables can pretty quickly be turned um, on on someone's perspective whenever they they need it to you know work in their favor. So I don't know, yeah. just a fascinating thing that they would even say that to uh, right, you know, to Elon, who I think has been making this sort of this argument the whole time that this is the true public town square, whether we like it or not. And uh, they're, they're over here saying like, Hey man, put your megaphone down. Cause you're affecting the town square too much. It's just, it's just, it's just, yeah. it's ironic, you know? Um, well, there's a whole bunch of conversations that, that got leaked. Uh, Brett Taylor is another one I just found. He's the CEO of Salesforce. Thank you. Uh, and if you're one. unfamiliar, uh, he's also the chair of Twitter's board of directors. Uh, he also helped that. create Google Maps and was the CTO of Facebook at one point. Damn, he's forty three, so uh, I've got five years <laughs> to to get all that under my belt. <laughs> good, good for you, dude. Um, <laughs> nice. All right, all right, come on the show. Tell us how you did it. Yeah, uh, apparently he got married in two thousand six. Not just going to leave all that be. Okay, um, no, but he goes back. So just pulling up the conversation. Um, so I read you the other stuff right on April 9th. Yep. Brett Taylor then texts Elon. Parag just called me and mentioned your text conversation. Can you talk? Elon responds with, please expect to take private offer. This, <laughs> is where, this is where I have tons of respect for Brett here. Uh, he keeps it very professional and just, I don't know, I lots of respect. He says, I saw the text thread. Do you have five minutes so I can understand the context? I don't currently. They go on. Elon says, Solid. fixing Twitter by chatting with Parag won't work. Drastic action is needed. This is hard to do as a public company as purging fake users will make the numbers look terrible. So restructuring should be done as a private company. This is Jack's opinions, uh, opinion too. Brett says, okay, can you take 10 minutes to talk through this with me? It's been about 24 <laughs> hours since you joined the board. I get your point, but just want to make sure I understand the sudden pivot and make sure I deeply understand your point of view and the path forward. Elon doesn't respond. Lots of time passes. He says, I'm about to take off, but can talk tomorrow. More time passes. Brett says, hey, can you speak this evening? I've seen your tweets. Feel more urgency about understanding your path forward. So, like, I can only imagine, what, like, what's his name just again? the home life. Brett Taylor with one T in Brett. Bravo, Taylor. Brett. Yeah, yeah. Very that mature. Was, I was, there was, well, it's not just mature. I mean, that is a, that is a textbook, like, should have a picture of him next to some leadership passage or book around, around emotional intelligence yes, and like how to have an appropriate conversation to try and progress something forward in a difficult situation. Right. I'm, I'm very impressed by, yeah. by that simple act because so few people can keep their head on straight, especially when talking to someone like Musk, who I think is pretty easy to, to probably provoke people mm -hmm. um, and, and kind of, stick by like hey completely understand i get it can we please do this thing right uh so really really well done in my opinion yeah yeah so hats off to uh you salesforce.com you got a good one at the helm um but yes and also just you know great that well whatever even in private text conversation you gotta assume hey someday this might get printed on the the front page of the new york times right that's what they'll teach you in in any sort of leadership school and he's doing a great oh, yeah. you know great thing but I can only imagine the conversations behind closed doors with, you know, Brett and his wife, Karen, or something, you know, like you would not believe what I'm witnessing from Elon right now. Oh yeah. That's crazy. He, crazy. He sent that text while, you know, taking a, a shot of scotch or something and just being like, Oh my God, <laughs> how do I get this over with? But nonetheless, oh, man. nailed the communication of it anyways. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's right. a joke, by the way. I don't know Brett. Don't even know if he likes scotch. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else do we need to talk about? Um, gosh, the um, the chief. I don't know his. I don't know his. Uh, gosh, what was his title? Chief. It sounds like. Just trying to. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to stay in the realm of um, 
see, I texted it to somebody the other day, but trying to stay in the realm of, Hey, you know, things that you do are going to get published publicly. Um, but the, basically the, the person that was pulling together all of the deals at Apple, um, suppliers and all that kind of stuff. It was a, it was a top executive. I can't remember. But anyway, so you know the social media thing where the guy runs up with a camera and somebody in with somebody in a nice car, and uh, they say, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" Right? Just trying to understand, like, how are you paying for the car? You know what I'm talking about? No, I've not okay. seen that, but it sounds interesting. Maybe I'll. Well, need there's to look a guy. I, I guess he. I guess he's on TikTok. I see like exports of his video. Oh, well, they like, won't be looking at Twitter up. or something. Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm not in TikTok, but I'll see exports of it over to sure. Instagram or TikTok or um, Twitter, which by the way, yeah. I don't know if we need to mention that Twitter is adding video reels like IG and, and TikTok. So get ready for probably should have done that. Like the moment that TikTok released, just <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably anyway, this guy um, got fired. I'm not going to repeat what he said because it's inappropriate. Sure. But a guy ran up and put a camera in his face and said, Hey, what do you do for a living? And he just quoted a crude line from a movie and then it went viral and uh, now he's out of a job. So if somebody oh. runs up to you, puts a camera in your face, don't try to be funny, <laughs> you know, especially if you have a job you want to keep. You know what? Uh, I, did, so. I did hear about that and it's, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Uh, and I yeah. will say that that is the, the woke mob losing their mind. <laughs> like the fact that this actually became a serious issue is just it's an indictment on where our society is today with political correctness not understanding context and making these knee-jerk reactions sure. mostly because but, they want to like people wanted yeah. to see this guy fail they, they, had, sure. they had nothing to do with his actual actions it was just like oh guy in nice car says mean thing get him fired like yeah. it's just i'm telling you it's yeah I he quoted it. a I mean, he quoted a really obscure movie from the early 80s which was like 80 years ago now. What is it? Uh, it's like 200 years ago. 60 now. now. Yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes it's hard to believe how far away the nineties are still, but yeah, you can't. And it's, you know, it's uh, misogynistic in, in, uh, in language, but you just can't do that. Can't do that. Lost his job. Uh, I It'd mean, be interesting to yeah, see how that affects I guess, you, I guess, yeah, I guess you can't do it. I'm using air quotes here. But it's BS. You should be able to say things, quote a movie, when someone's being obnoxious to you, be obnoxious back, and you not just immediately lose your job. Now, I will say this. This person, if I'm thinking, I'm assuming I'm thinking of the same person. I think he was in a VP level role at Apple. And here's something that I tell everyone that I work with at the executive level and above. You are a representative of your organization everywhere you go all of the time mm -hmm. and Period. you're always interviewing you're always yep. interviewing there's even no way around for your that. Own job. <laughs> yes even for your own job there's no way around it i don't think that this man should have been fired at in any way shape or form however under the the guise of that just know it's not just about the you know maybe you'll be in a court case and something comes out in your text messages or whatever just in general, you always represent the brand. You just do. That's just the world we live in, especially in the very visible world we live in. So just more of a piece of advice for, for yeah. people out there uh, as they grow in their careers that the, with each step you take up a ladder, the more and more your responsibility is to the organization to behave a certain way when you're in public. And this person should have known that. Now, granted, I still disagree. I'm going to state that just vehemently. I disagree, disagree what? with that what he should have here. got shouldn't have gotten I fired. I disagree that he should I do not believe he should have gotten fired for this in any mm -hmm. way shape or form. Nope. I am and I'm not going to there's no way I'm going to get behind that. I, this there's just I, I'm just not it's just not going to be yeah. a thing that I think that you should be fired for. You think for. he should have just issued an apology and said, "Hey, I was out of line, blah blah blah." You can make you can issue fine. an apology for like look man, there's there's a yes, it, you can issue an apology if you want. I think that's a slippery slope slope too, but there was a a CEO of some tech company, maybe a year ago, maybe maybe sub a year ago, that basically ended up writing some form of op-ed or paper or something, 
basically voicing the concerns that people had in their businesses, which is like, we can't let this crazy political wokeism, idealism come into our businesses and, and manage, have it manage our business. Like we're, we're, we're not here to, you know, be some family who takes these societal issues and solves them. Like we're running a business. We have things that we need to do in it. And we need to, we just, this stuff needs to stop. And basically some of the comments were like, you can either stay in the business or go. And there were a bunch of these CEOs who were like privately having these conversations amongst each other. One of them decided to come out and, and just write an op-ed really on behalf of everyone. He didn't use any names or anything. And he went out and he said something that I just think really rings true, which is this, this is this insanity that every single issue in the world that companies need to do something like Apple has no obligation to go and do some, whatever the next thing is that their workforce says that they need to do. Like it's wild. The, the, the different aspects that these CEOs have to go through to manage stuff, not relevant to their business at all. Just sure. well, what are we going to do about this issue in American politics or American society? And it's like, Apple's like, I don't know, release a new iPhone. Like that should be their response. But it can't be because everyone gets so mad about all these people needing to do certain things. And so th anyways, sure. the CEO wrote this op-ed and he had to walk it back like because he got blasted for basically saying what candidly is, is the actual reality of the world that we live in. But because, you know, he wrote it, he got blasted for it as being some horrible person and you know, probably even worse than that. I'm not even going to repeat some of the words that have been said. Maybe we can find this article and go over it. But the it's just remarkable to me that we just can't say things, even if there's a basis of reality around them. And that is unacceptable to me. And I don't think that you should be losing your job over talking about things that are real in life, just because it doesn't go along with whatever the narrative is that day, week, month, or a year. Sure. That's 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 my thought on it. And this to me, I just think, you know, in, in my opinion, he should have had to maybe explain the context of where his quote came from. Like now we now now he can't quote a movie, you know, to this person who's yeah. randomly walking up to him with a camera when he's in a car. Yeah. I guess I mean, he was he was insane. just trying to be he was trying to be funny, right? It's the way the way it was explained. And I guess sure. he assumed that nobody would know who he is. So. Oh, well, no one does know who you are until someone decides to try and cancel you. <laughs> exactly. And, and, and then everyone. And, and I, th I think cancel culture <laughs> is ridiculous. And I just think it needs to I think it needs to go away. Although I do think there are moments where it's funny, like when they tried to cancel Eminem was my favorite. Like <laughs> of all people, you think he's going to care about right. about trying yeah. to do something like that. So I don't know. It's it's just yeah. stuff like that is very unfortunate. Yeah. And I think it goes back to the comments that we made earlier in the show that the all in group was talking about, which is it's a whole bunch of people on Twitter who've never done anything in their lives that sure. are, that are pushing for this. And it, it's just fascinating that we give them this power and yeah. we shouldn't, we shouldn't enable that in my opinion. Yep. So you represent your company and if you don't want to, um, don't work for the company. Yep. Otherwise don't I'm put sure. yourself in, in bad situations or, uh, Okay. What else? What are, what, what other tech news stuff that we got? So there was something uh, there's about one. You, the USB-C yeah. thing. You want to talk about that or what? Uh, yeah. What I don't know much say, more to talk about. It was it was exactly the same thing because it was brought up in the TBP chat mm. today. I think I think Zook shared it with us that I guess the you know the proposed law has been maybe signed into law or has passed. Yeah, they passed in the law to switch iPhone to USB-C by the end of 2024. So Apple now has till, you know, whatever, end of 2024. Um, so let's be clear. So, um, well, that, the law so they're is releasing not of, an Apple law. It's it's a... Correct. For these yeah, types sorry. of devices under 100 watts of, of power. Yeah. Sorry, I was just reading <laughs> um, the headline just, of the one I was reading. But the, the, yeah. big, the big sticking point is, is for Apple because most other phones are already offering USB-C. Correct. Yeah, phones yeah. or you know what, whatever these devices, like the devices yeah, that Nintendo are charged, Switch, right? all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. USB C under hundred watts. Yeah. So then the then um, the assumption is that they will actually just go to wireless charging. 
Yeah, I think they're. I think that that was our original assumption. I think the expectation now is they actually are going to release a USB-C phone, and they may do it as soon as next year, uh, oh, which I think is a good nice. thing. Yeah, I think so too. Maybe. Now there are concerns here uh, about, you know, I don't. Here's the first things first. I don't like the intervention by the. I don't like that the intervention from the government is necessary here. Me either. That Let this, them build what a, they want to build, and then you decide if you want that or not. That now, it, it is. I do wish this. This is where their size and scale does become problematic because they are in a position to where it doesn't matter if they ever built USB C. Really, honestly, it never would. It mm. would never affect them. It would never affect Apple. And that's the bigger concern and why I think the government intervention or the government felt the need, just so we're clear, the EU government. But I think the U.S. is working on something else. And it won't matter because they're not going to just create USB-C for one area of the world and not the other. But nonetheless, the that's why I think they felt compelled to try and make this move here, to, to try and force this action. Uh, I did... I did read an article, I think it was on Medium, actually. Someone was explaining the real reason why Apple didn't want to move to USB-C. And I thought it was interesting. Um, I think we knew some of these bits and pieces. I don't think I realized how big of a number it was. But they they What's started, the they reason? did the math. So they okay. did the math on whenever they moved the, um, when they took the chargers out of the boxes. You remember that? And the yeah. stated reason was to reduce e-waste, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, they could well, also ship like 34% more phones in one crate, a bunch of stuff yep. like that. And Brazil and so got this mad person, and they, <laughs> sorry, they find them, what, $5? <laughs> uh, I think it was, I think it was five fifty, but yeah. Um, sorry, go ahead. The, the interesting thing that came from this was two things. One, the quality of the, of the Apple, I'm sorry, of the lightning cables, I apologize. This is, a, is not an area that I candidly have a significant amount of experience. I do have a lightning cable to my left and it doesn't ever move. So I don't have any issues with it, but I do know I've seen my wife's cables have just been trashed at times. Like I can see the insides of the wires. And so apparently there were, this person took into account a lot of the licensing for sales of lightning cables, which according to this individual um, have been very low in quality just in general. Like lightning mm -hmm. cables aren't that robust or, you know, they, they don't endure very well. And then on top sure. of that, it was the savings from the chargers. So from the savings of the chargers alone, this saved Apple $6.5 billion. Oh, my goodness. And then Brazil find them $5 million? <laughs> yeah. That's a nice well, ROI. Then, yeah. Well, and then look at this. The, the thinking, and I don't know if this is true, but I do, because there's, there's, there's more that goes to it. But if you look at the linear math, what this tells you is, is they're trying to avoid a $13 billion swing. They've saved $6.5 and they don't want to have to spend another $6.5 over the course of these phones being released mm. in order to put chargers back in with USB-C. Now, I, personally, I don't actually think... I don't think that's going to be a thing. It was just a point they had made. But even if you only take half of the point at the $6.5 billion saved, and then you add in the amount of money they make on licensing for the proprietary nature of the lightning cable itself and the things that you might connect into it, like dongles or whatever else, that's a major revenue stream. And that was also, I apologize, I don't remember the number, it was another several billion dollars. So you're looking at a 10 plus ish million dollar swing between savings and earnings going one direction only. If you look at it, both directions, it doubles it, right? Just like it's to give you an indication of what I mean by that. Whenever you miss a layup in basketball, that is a four point swing. It is not a two point swing because you have missed an opportunity to score and then given them an opportunity to score. And in general, mm -hmm. buckets are typically worth two points. Whenever you save money and then a something is, is is reversed, that actually has an effect that is not just getting you back to zero. It actually goes the same dollar amount in the other direction. So if they save $6.5 and then they actually had to add in the chargers for the rest, 
that would ultimately be a $13 billion swing. At least that's how their accountants would look at it. And so that particular piece there is a major reason why they would actually be pushing this. Now, they can use the e-waste thing as their whole driver and all of that. That's fine. Like that's that's what you should say publicly. But let's be honest, like they're a publicly traded company. Bottom line is what you know ultimately draws these decisions in. And then you look at the ancillary effects outside of it. And then that's how you communicate it. That's normal and that's fine. But this is why they didn't want to make this change on the iPhone specifically. Because they made it everywhere else. But they don't, there's nothing, there's no more more important product line to Apple than the iPhone. Like that is their most important product line, period. Nothing else even comes close. So yeah, they swapped to USB-C on the MacBooks and to on the the iPads and whatever else. And they, you know, and then they didn't do it though on chargers for their like AirPods and and I guess the Beats Pros or Beats stuff like that. And I guess you can license that as well. Like some people license that for chargers uh, to charge their uh, their AirPods or earphones or whatever it is. And so there's additional money there. So it's a money thing as is normal. That's going to be some form of a hit, you know, to them to move to USB-C. Now, granted, you know, does does Apple ultimately notice it at the end of the day? They will. Like they will not like it. The company will be fine. Uh, but this was, if you look at this from the standpoint of they talked about innovation, whatever else, we have these flimsy cables that were slow to charge, slow to transfer data. And they were in a market position to where they would have not had to have moved at all unless someone intervened and stepped in. And these are the problems that regulators are looking at with someone who's the size of Google or Apple or Microsoft or, you know, these the, whatever, big tech, um, and saying, we have to figure out what, how do we, how do we handle this going forward? And it's a super slippery slope because at the same time, I heard something today about Google, you know, they have deep mind, um, which is their AI division. And I recognize you can, you know, everyone can think what they want to about Google. Um, but they, in their AI division, they created, they were able to simulate every protein that that our existence, like our the human body, is able to produce. Like every one of them, they were able to simulate and try and get predictive about these types of things, which, as you can imagine, especially related to recent, you know, events like COVID or whatever else helps you be a lot more prescriptive and quick to react to things as you have more data and you try and predict what's going to happen next. And but they had they to did kill this. Stadia to do it. So is it they had to kill really? Stadia to do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. But the, they sunk billions of dollars into this in order for that to happen. And these massive companies, they'll make you know $10 billion bets, like 10 individual billion dollar bets. Nine of them will fail. But then that one one of them that is one billion dollars turns into five hundred billion, and so so is it we, bad for humanity to not allow? Is it bad for humanity to not allow some of these companies to get so big that they can do this and drive innovation? It, that's it's the balancing act, right? It's mm-hmm. you know that's that's where it comes down to. That's where the arguments are are always going to be, and it's going to be really hard to get a, a super definitive answer uh, on a lot of these. I still lean towards the the market. Uh, influence being that high, something has to probably be done. I don't know what sure. it is because I'm I, I tend to be very light-handed when it comes to government intervention. Per, this is just me personally, right? Um, but I do struggle at the same time. We also Tyler when he's not here. We've talked so about that's, well, that's we do. Well. Yeah, all of these comments. If you just assume the extreme, most horrific <laughs> take possible, just assume that's actually what Tyler would have said. Um, so go cancel him you know, whenever you get the chance, but yeah, that's, that's kind of where it's just fascinating to see both sides of this. Uh, but the lightning cable piece, I don't know. I'm excited that they're moving to um, USB-C because now I won't have to explicitly go find lightning cables to put in my bags whenever I go somewhere with my wife. Cause I'm sort of responsible for all things, you know, mm-hmm. tech with us, which means chargers. Yeah. Um, so that will be much nicer to you know just have you know a few USB C cables and and be all good. 
And, uh, and I also like that they made this sort of a, there's a qualifying line. They're like something under a hundred Watts, um, which does give a lot of possibilities for things above a hundred Watts, which I think is where a lot of innovation will be. Um, higher powered devices, things that need, I mean, even, even MacBooks right now are 140 Watts, you know? So, yeah. um, so it's not like, it's not like all devices fit under that envelope. I mean, heck my laptop's 240 Watts. So, uh, It'll be interesting to see kind of what innovation continues to come. But I, I, I want to look at the bill and see what happens when someone wants to invent something else. Like, are they able to do so? One of the provisions in the bill that didn't pass was like for changes in the future. Um, I don't know if that stayed in it or not, but mm-hmm. there was one like 18 months ago that did not pass that did address this idea of like, basically stating we're not going to necessarily be on USB-C for the rest of our lives, which I think is what a lot of people are worried about. They're like, well, if we make this, then we'll never be able to invent another cable. And the original bill didn't say that. The original bill allowed for there to be work in this space to drive future standards, but that whenever the shift would be made, we would make it all together. And so I don't know if that's going to be the case now because, you know, they had to make changes to get this thing passed. And maybe that's one of them. Maybe the one that passed is you have to be on USB-C till the end of time. But I'd have to look at it. I don't ever look at EU stuff, though, for like bills and passage very often. Like I was sure. Doing. Yeah. Only when it shows up in our technology uh, news yep. feeds. Um, exactly. And I wanted we're, we're out of time. I wanted to talk about since we were on Apple, I wanted to talk about uh, Tim. Um, and his stressing of augmented reality, he was recently quoted um, saying that Tim Cook, suggesting Tim that aug- Cook, specifically. Yes, Tim Cook. What did I say? You just said Tim. But, you know. Oh, sorry. Yes, Tim. Tim Cook. Um, he suggested that augmented reality's impact on the world will be as profound as the internet itself. Saying people will wonder how they led a life without it. And I want to also quickly apologize to Darren and Daniel in the TBP chat because I shared that link um and they already had or i think daniel already had yeah but i am often sharing news that um daniel or um darren are or have already shared and so i apologize just want to make that public those guys are quick on it and also extend an invitation to say if you guys uh if, if you're looking for a really neat fun tech feed join our tbp community on telegram it's t.me slash tech breakfast and um if you miss a cool article, chances are I'll post it a second time um, because there's tons of great stuff and I don't, I guess I don't read it all or follow it or remember because there's so much going on. Um, but it's super fun and we'd love to have y'all join us in there. Yeah. If you guys don't know, it actually happens a lot. <laughs> a I mean, lot. You, can, you can almost, you can, I mean, you could almost actually like do a plus minus and throw down some cash on this to see if it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and it'd be a worthwhile exercise. <clears throat> Anyways, but you're I right. We do got to go. Yeah, I posted this one yesterday, and Daniel was like, classic Aaron. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. All right. That's going to do it for another episode of Tech Breakfast Podcast. I got to go. You got to go. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, thanks, Tyler, for coming in and throwing on some provocative statements <laughs> for the group. He'll be and- back soon. He's <laughs> traveling. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but you, until next time. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining. Please share it with your friends, family. Put it on social media. Um, try not to get canceled. Don't say anything too bad out there. And uh, until the next time, we'll we'll catch you later. Peace. Later. <laughs>